1: Hi, friends. I'm Danielle Robay. And I'm Simone Boyce. And we're here to introduce you to The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. We'll hear from celebrities, authors, experts, and listeners like you. Whether it's relationships, friend advice, or figuring out how to navigate life's transitions, big and small, We'll talk through it together. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The fact that you're feeling these things is proof that you're feeling these things and you need to talk about it and and you just, you cannot compare yourself to other people, even though that's like the first reaction you want to have, because it is all relative and we we all are going through the same things, especially at a time like right now. It's like comparison can be the death. You just, you cannot, you'll fall into a trap that that makes things so much worse, I think. Hey
0: everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world, thanks to each and every single one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. And I am so excited to be talking to you today. And I'd love to invite you to come and see me for my global tour, Love Rules. Go to jsheddytour.com to learn more information about tickets, VIP experiences, and more. I can't wait to see you this year. Now, this is probably the most special episode that I'm going to record this year. I'm really, really excited about it. And it's because the guest is not only a dear friend who's become a close, close friend during this time, which just shows the power of energy, relationships, and connection, but also because she's got some huge announcements and some really exciting things happening in her lives and an incredible story to share. As you know, today's guest is the one and only Lily Collins. As a Golden Globe-nominated actress, author, and philanthropist, Lily Collins is one of Hollywood's most sought-after actresses. You probably know her from her incredible performances in Inheritance, Les Miserables, To the Bone, The Last Tycoon, and rules don't apply to name a few. She's also the star of Netflix's Emily in Paris, which streams worldwide starting October 2nd, 2020. So it's out right now. If you're listening, go and watch it. It's awesome. You're going to love it. And extending her talents from the screen to paper, Lily added author to her list of credits in 2017 with her international best-selling book, Unfiltered, No Shame, No Regrets, Just Me which is such a good read and I'm sure you will all love it. So make sure you go and grab a copy. Lily's philanthropic endeavors extend to participating in various We Day events where we actually met and her involvement with national nonprofit organization GEO Campaign, where she serves as an ambassador for the GEO Campaign Gala. I'm so excited to welcome Lily Collins. Thank Hi. you so much for doing this.
1: <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's truly a bucket list right now.
0: <laughs> You're the sweetest. Like, I am just, I'm genuinely so happy. And since you walked through the door, your energy's just been like,
1: ah. just cascading
0: everywhere. And I'm just like so Thank grateful you. to finally. I and know. That, I hug, can't that believe hug was just. We, uh, the, uh,
1: the, we, we finally <laughs> get to connect. It's like yeah. we were saying, it's so strange when you. When you never meet someone, but you can connect so much through intention, on purpose, like literally your podcast, (laughs) the reason I found it was because of the title. And I was like, this is so in alignment with everything that I feel like I want to practice more of, or that is so in me and things that I'm like reaching out and resourcing more. And it's like, when you just connect, it's like, how how had it not happened sooner, but it was meant to be now.
0: No, I love it. And I want to congratulate you on the launch of the show today. Thank you. And also your incredible engagement ah! that just happened. <laughs> I mean Yes,
1: I know. It's it, it's it who knew that this uh that this week would be as big as it was and I'm over the moon. It's so funny. It's like one of those life moments when it's it sounds so cheesy, but it's like when you know you know. And I'd have been told that before and I thought I knew what that feeling would be like. And I, it's that deep sense of knowing that I think I've been experiencing with a lot of different things in my life. And in really the most past that the like most recent year, um, when you know, you're exactly where you're meant to be, who you're meant to be, who you're meant to be with. And it just, it's just that deep sense of knowing that I, I'm like, I knew the second I met him, you know, and it was. I'm just so excited. I'm really, really excited.
0: I love hearing that, and I love seeing it on your face. It's so. Wonderful. <laughs> I know it's really hard not
1: just to, to talk about it without like beaming.
0: It's beautiful, and it, and it's not it's not cheesy at all because I think anyone who's experienced it knows that it's true. Yeah. And anyone who's looking for that is wanting it to be true. Like that's what we're yeah. you know trying to create. And today I want to talk to you about everything from relationships to the new show through to. Your incredible book that i absolutely I love and for anyone who hasn't gone and grabbed a copy please do that but we'll be talking about a lot of the themes from inside the book in your life today but i wanted to start off uh back where you were born because you were also born in the uk yes and but you moved to la when you were six years old mm-hmm. right yeah. so tell us about do you remember anything me and my wife have been playing this game about like how much do we remember from yeah. before five years old in our life right what do you remember
1: God, I, you know, I do remember, I remember cooking dinners in the countryside, like a couple nights. I remember specifically, I remember ballet class because I used to be really into dance. Um, I remember some school plays and like nativity shows that I did. <laughs> uh, what was your role? What role I were you was mean? one of the angels. Oh, <laughs> I love. still have the photos from it. Um, and I remember French class, which is kind of ironic. But um, but when I moved to, Eng- to from England to LA, I was... Just wanted to fit in, right? At that age, you just want to fit in. And I remember my first day of school not being able to pronounce consonants the same as everyone else. So any name that had an R in it was like an eh. (laughs) And everyone made fun of me. And uh, and I just started to kind of... My accent just naturally started to go away. But yeah, you know, I do have quite a few vivid memories. And then when I go back, because we still have the house there in the countryside, I... I have these weird feelings and memories that come back. And sometimes I question, were they made up? Are they real? And I will bring them up to my mom or my dad. And it's like, oh no, that really happened. And it's just so interesting how a place truly can do that for you. It's like sights, smells, sounds, any of the above, right? It's truly like that sense memory.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's, that's so nice though, that you have all these amazing memories of back in England. I miss and it,
1: though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We have.
0: A, when did, Do you go back often? Or?
1: Well, sometimes it has been when I was a kid that I would go every summer vacation. Yeah. And then obviously when you grow up, summer vacation changes so much. Um, Christmases and New Year's, I've gone back. But I mean, God knows with everything going yeah. on now with travel, I, I don't really know what that looks like. I do get to go back to London quite a bit because of work. Mm-hmm. And that's usually, you know, two or three four days at max um, but I, I it's just it's so a part of me mm-hmm. like the English countryside is so a part of who I am and I like to I like to say because I truly believe it I do feel more European than American mm-hmm. um, which was super weird than playing this like very American character in Europe because it's the most American I've ever felt um, but I, I I do get to I hope that I get to go back soon we just we just don't know
0: yeah no absolutely and I know I have to bring this up I'm bringing up all the the uh, the kind of similarities that we have. Yeah. Uh, you're also a huge Harry Potter book and movie. Oh fan. my god. So am I. Biggest nerd. And I don't think we've ever spoken about this.
1: <laughs> I can't believe
0: that. <laughs> Biggest nerd. What is what is the most nerdy thing you know about Harry Potter? Or oh, what well, is the what is the quirkiest well, thing? Well,
1: no, for me, it's I, I was just I like loved Hermione. And so whenever she'd say like Limgavi Limgavi in the VA saw, it's saw, you know, or like you've really got to get your priorities straight. It's like all the lines where she's just so sassy that I'm always like referencing. And you know what's funny, actually? Harry Potter is one of those things that I feel like is that that thing that you'll mention something Hmm. small and then the other person will go, wait, 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 what? And so we were filming a scene in Paris for Emily in Paris and it was um, myself, Ashley, Luca, and I believe Camille. We were all at this table shooting a dinner scene. And someone said something Harry Potter. And then all four of us, we had to stop filming because we were looking at what our, um, what our like, different houses would be. And we just literally went off on some tangent. And it was so funny because there we are in the middle of Paris talking about Harry Potter. Right. It was, like, one of the funniest, like, most uniting conversations we had had. <laughs>
0: I love it. Every time I go to Universal Studios, I try and convince my wife that I should buy a wand. Oh, my God. And she's just like, nope. You you're not allowed. So wand. I'm like, I want a wand. And she's you just like, need no, it. you're not allowed. I'm like, I want a wand. I want... And I'm looking at all the kids that are buying it. Of I'm like, course. Oh, wow. like, of course. Is, yeah.
1: it's, it's too good. You have to have one.
0: I love it. I want to talk about... Um, we, we started off and you were talking about engagements. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I loved reading about in your books was relationships.
1: Yeah.
0: And you open up so deeply and vulnerably in your book, which which I thought was really profound and, and genuinely so helpful for people. Thank you. And and I'm really grateful that we're going to get to share that with my community mm. today. But one of the things you talk about is past relationships, mm-hmm. toxic relationships, perhaps uh, difficult decisions in relationships. Yeah. And and I wanted you to talk us through how you were still able to find so much meaning or lessons in those or how actually you don't see them as just bad decisions, Mm -hmm. but you were able to learn from them because I think that's something that we all need to do.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've always been such an introspective, reflective person. Um, I've always tried to see the good even in the bad. Um, I'm always slightly more optimistic (laughs) than I am pessimistic. And for me, I was very young when I experienced um, the my relationship that was emotionally abusive, um, and at times I didn't see it as that in the moment, um, and then at times I did know that certain things weren't right, but I was so far in, and I didn't know how to get out of it, in a sense. You know, um, I felt very small, I felt very quieted, I felt um, belittled. But at the same time, it was kind of what I knew in that relationship. And it was something that part of me was like, but but he does love me. And there are these elements of, of kindness at moments. And, and it's just, I I would never say that I was weak because I've never been like a weak person. I think there were moments when I didn't know how to voice myself in the strongest, loudest way because even in moments when I tried to voice myself, I I was shushed. Um, And so I was, you know, I was called names. I was was told not to have an opinion on things. I was um, just very much felt uh, a lesser version of myself. And I can say all that now looking back on it as a stronger person because of it, and it's it's something that took a lot. I mean, my friends and family definitely played a part in vocalizing their thoughts and intervening in a sense. Um, but, you know, it's interesting looking back on it. And even at the time, I, I always look at present situations as ones to work on in terms of what am I learning from this at the time? Like, it's going to define how I get through this just as much as it's going to define me as to what happens in the end. And it's, it's about the journey, which you talk about all the time. And for me, the lessons I learned in how I don't want to be treated, what I don't want from a partner, um, how can I become stronger? Also just the idea of not shaming myself for not leaving earlier. Um, because, I think that if we if we only looked back on experiences with the shame and the regret and the fear and all that, then we don't allow ourselves to embrace any uh, learning through what we would have gone through. And I think it's it's in anything difficult that we go through. If if we just lived in the shame of embarrassment of not knowing how to act, or you know, I can't believe I didn't know more about this subject. If if we if we let that cloud our judgment we prevent ourselves from learning more and growing through it. So I tried my best to kind of keep an open mind even when it was the hardest because I knew that there would be a more positive outcome in the end. Um, Ultimately, I knew this person wasn't the person for me, and um, I just needed to find a way to get through it that felt right and genuine to me and also that I could kind of leave it clean. Um, and know that I did everything I could and not blame myself. So I, I'm, I'm actually grateful for the experiences that I had within myself. I'm not saying that I'm grateful for how I was treated because I wish that there were moments I had never experienced. But I am grateful for the moments that I sat within my own head and my own heart and said enough is enough. Because at those moments, I felt like I was defining how I moved forward. And I was defining the future that I was setting for myself. And now I know that there are certain ways in which a person acts that I will just never tolerate, um, that no one should tolerate. And that's not just in romantic you know, relationships. That's in work environments. That's in just everyday living. That's with friends. And it just, it really did teach me so much. And I just, I would encourage anyone that has gone through something like that or is going through something like that to not allow the embarrassment or shame that you may feel prevent you from knowing deep within yourself what you need to do and to prevent you from um, moving forward and being able to speak about it openly. Because I think that there is a a big fear in, um, in not vocalizing oneself. So I think that that, for me, has really helped me raise the volume on my voice.
0: Wow. I mean, I mean it just you know when when I'm hearing it and obviously it sounds like you've done so much introspection as you yeah. said and so much self-reflection but tell us about how at that time that affected your self-esteem mm. because you talk a lot about that in the book too and yeah. just like how does that affect your self-esteem and how did you rebuild or realign with the courage to make that decision? to move away from that relationship because I feel so many people, and you can probably mm. attest to the people that you've shared this with, so many people feel stuck. Yeah. And so many people feel that that one moment of love or affection from that person, mm-hmm. because it's so rare, yeah. it kind of just over-amplifies above oh, 100%. all the mistakes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of that like carrot that would be dangled and and I would be waiting for a moment of, of light. But the second I saw it, I took it almost as, all the lights were on instead of like, you know, one bulb. It's like that moment to me was, oh, okay, it's still there. And it's going to cause me to just forget everything else. And I think I I put so much of my self-worth and my self-esteem in that person mm-hmm. and in that person's attention to me. Um, I found that I was losing touch with a lot of my friends. I mean, it also was that he discouraged a lot of that those relationships, Um and even the relationship that I had with certain family, it's like, it was very much him and that was it. Um, and so I I did feel that so much of myself was then wrapped up in that, that what did that mean if I no longer had that? Like, who was I? How would I make decisions? Um, would I find someone else? And, and what was that going to look like for me? And that's scary, especially as someone, you know, when you're young and you're kind of just figuring out who you are. You're just figuring out what you want in a partner or who you are as a person. Like, I don't think you can be the best version of a partner, whether that's, again, romantically, friendship, work, anything, until you you know more of who you are. And when you're young, you're figuring that out. And when there's someone that then takes advantage of that, you know, that journey and that self-discovery in a way to kind of make it work for them, like, I just got sucked into that. And it was really difficult. I remember, um, I like, I've never ever had like bad skin. And all of a sudden I was, I was breaking out. I had never had panic attacks. I was having panic attacks. There was a night I remember where, um, there we had gotten into a disagreement on the phone and I was on the floor crying, like hardly able to breathe. Like I'd never had those experiences before. My body was, was showing me signs. I, it was giving up in a lot of ways. Um, And I just, I listened to it, and then I would kind of forget, you know? Um, And at the end of the day, there was just kind of a light bulb moment when certain people intervened and had a conversation with me that I realized, um, wow, that quote of when someone shows you who they are, believe them, I had been trying to justify, yeah, but, but like, but he's saying this. And it's like, right, but the follow-through is never the same. Or yeah, you got those texts or those emails, but look at what you're feeling like. And that's not right. That's not real. Um, And so I, I finally was able to put that into practice and kind of rise above what I thought I was capable of. And it was hard. It was definitely not easy. I mean, there were moments when I thought, I'm going to have to start from zero. I, I don't really know where to go because I've alienated some friends. Will they start talking to me again? You know, now I'm embarrassed because I've basically said, no, everything's fine for so long, but nothing, it wasn't fine, you know? And now I'm having to kind of rebuild relationships. And I'm so fortunate that the people that I had stopped really talking to Embraced me right back. They saw what I was going through and they knew ultimately that I would find that within myself to kind of move through it. But I'm forever grateful to this day to them because now we can look back on it and say, God, remember when that happened? And like by no means make light of it, but to show the growth through what I had gone through. And they just they stuck by me. And I was so I'm I'm so grateful for that. And then I have to say another version of healing was then writing about it because. I never, I never really spoke about it to people that didn't know what I was going through because it didn't feel appropriate and it didn't feel like I needed to. But when I was writing the book, I thought this is something that truly shaped so much of my young adult life um, in terms of then trying to find a partner and how I felt about myself and my self-esteem um, that... I wanted to share it because it felt like another way to connect to people that had gone through that or were going through that at a young age because you don't see out of it when you're that young. And also when you have parents or people that are older than you telling you it's not good for you, you're kind of less (laughs) apt to believe it, right? Because you're like, you don't know? What are you talking about? And it's like, but when you're talking to someone your age or someone that's younger and you can relate to, for me at least, it, it made a huge difference whenever I'd have conversations with people like that. And, and so it was a way to, to try and make other people feel less alone. Um, and, and I truly just, I would I then feel less alone when people share their stories with me.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing. Life can be a wild ride, and sometimes our gut gets thrown off track. So that butterfly in your stomach, it's probably not from excitement. It's more likely from stress or certain food choices you had for breakfast. And Ritual can help you get things back on track. They made a 3-in-1 supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Every morning, I start my day with Symbiotic Plus. It's now an essential part of my daily routine. With its blend of prebiotics, postbiotics, and all that good stuff, I'm giving my gut the love it needs to tackle whatever comes its way throughout the day. There's no shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Shetty. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Shetty. For 25% off. On Purpose with Jay Shetty is brought to you by Booking.com, Booking.yeah. Many of you know that one of the most important aspects of my life is my connection with others. Travel has become one of the best ways for me to connect with people, whether that be my community, my family, friends, or loved ones, or all of you. Most of my family lives outside of the U.S., so traveling around the holidays, birthdays, or other special occasions is something that we're accustomed to. As we grow older, oftentimes our families or loved ones end up living in different areas as us, making it challenging to get together due to various schedules and commitments. With Booking.com, I'm able to efficiently book travel and accommodations for everyone in my family so that we can spend quality time together. They also make it easy to book travel for the various types of travelers in my family so that each person in my family can authentically be the traveler they want to be, no matter the destination. Once a year, my family takes a trip together to a U.S. destination where none of us live or are visited. We find this helpful in making sure that everyone is truly present and able to unplug from their normal routines, resulting in more meaningful conversations and connections. Experiencing new places with those close to you allows you to bond over a shared experience. Booking.com's breadth and variety of accommodations in the U.S. has made the destination selection and booking process not only easy, but fun. Travel can also foster new connections. Visiting different cities has allowed me to build connections with all of you, my community, most of whom I've never met in person and otherwise would have not crossed paths with. The in-person relationships that are built and strengthened through travel is something that each of us can benefit from. Book whoever you want to be on booking.com, booking.yay. Yeah, and that's why I want to thank you for sharing your story because oh, you. I feel so many people are going to be helped by this. Mm. Like listening to you speak, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening and watching right now is, is reflecting on their own relationships, past mm. or present. Yeah, And just getting a chance to just... The way you share it is so graceful in the sense that it really helps people just be guided through it in their own mm. life and just like, okay, is that what I'm experiencing? Is that what I'm seeing? Tell us about how what you experienced in toxic relationships is different from what you've been able to create today, which is a real relationship, which means it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't have challenges and Mm -hmm. it's not that it doesn't have uh, things that you have to work out and figure out, but tell me what's different and and how people can try and spot the right things. Because I think often we either see things as toxic or like, the movies, yeah, and but it's like what you know, what you have, and and I know what I have with my wife today is, is very real,
1: yeah, uh, and
0: it's neither of those,
1: right? And- no, you know, it's it's interesting because we're always going to have ups and downs in whatever relationship you're in, again, work, um, friendships, or romantic. And for me, the ups and downs of my toxic relationship were my body was reacting; I was physically ill and i I had such anxiety, and there was there was nothing about me that felt big like mm-hmm. i i 've truly felt like the smallest version of myself, and i didn 't even realize how small until when I got out of it, I found that so many things in my life started to just grow so much bigger, like my light came back, my energy came back um, Every like different facets in my life started to grow again, and I think that there's just no doubt in my mind when I'm with my fiance and there are ups and downs. It's like we got this together. There's no competition. There's no. Um, there's just no negativity at all. It's very much okay. How are we going to get through this? What's going on? Let's have a conversation. There's no shushing. Like I was shushed so much in, in my toxic relationship where it was like a physical like shh, or like hand on mouth. And I'm just wow. like, what? It's, it's when you're asked to be quieted and to quiet who you are, it takes away your identity. Like, and I think I went through a bit of a thing, you know, when in my early 20s where I was like, okay, then what is my identity? Like if I've been told to be quiet so much... I is being loud a bad thing. And what does that mean to be the biggest version of yourself and to be with someone now who is so encouraging of me being bigger? You know, it's like, no, be the biggest version of yourself. You can be all these things. And you know what? We can have disagreements and let's have a conversation, you know? And it's like, if you disagree about something and you have a conversation and yet you still feel heard, that's the biggest thing. It's Mm. like. When you're talking and you can see someone's like physically listening, but they're not hearing you, you know it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you know the difference and you're like, yeah, but you're not hearing inside. You're not understanding what I'm saying and the intention and the, the deepest place that it's coming from. And I'll say that when I was going through this toxic experience, I truly, I was like, yeah, but he's saying that he loves me and mm. he's telling me no one's ever going to love you the same that I love you and no one's going to be able to do this for you and, you know, uh, like all the all these things that you weirdly, like, want to hear. You want to hear someone saying, yeah. like, oh, you know, I love you so much and no one's going to love you the same way and I can do this for you and I'm your biggest champion and blah, blah, blah. But it's like it's being used against you. Yeah, it's a tool. Flags. It's a red flag. It's a tool to draw you in and and kind of – using things against you you and imprison you and feel really uh, trapped. Mm. And when you feel trapped by someone that is is supposedly your biggest champion, that's a problem, you know? And I think to be be told to be quiet um, is a really scary thing because you know what you want to say and why you want to say it. But when someone that you love tells you to be quiet... You listen, I or I listened, you know, and, and it and it has created this post-traumatic stress in me at times within any relationship since that day. And I still have moments where I deal with it and have to I have to check myself. I just have to remember in those moments that I'm having, like, okay, why is my heart starting to race? Why am I feeling anxious? What is this reminding me of? What do I need to think through myself? What is it that I'm projecting? Like I have found so many times that if a situation arises that makes me feel anxious, I know that I'm projecting what that person Mm. would have said to me in this specific moment, what he would have done, what he would have said, what he would have like, you know, um, commented on, how he would have shushed me. And so I need to remember that that's gone, that's done. (coughs) but I'm still dealing with moments like that. And you know, thank God for podcasts and reading and therapy and all those things because I think it's really important to stop in those moments and internalize and, and think to myself, this has nothing to do with right now, nothing. There's nothing in the situation that's the same. There's no response that's the same from the other person. There's, this conversation hasn't even happened before, but I'm, I'm still dealing with how that person treated me. And and it takes a while. Um, mm. And it's something, though, that I will say, in those moments when you catch yourself, sometimes they're embarrassing because you realize that you're falling back into what that person was doing to you. But, but it ultimately is a huge lesson. And it's I'm so grateful to be with someone who nurtures me through those and doesn't judge me for them and says, I'm here. I want to help you. Let's talk this through. You're gonna be fine, and I love you. And that is like, guys, it's out there. Because <laughs> I was like, is it ever gonna be out there? And and there there is that hope.
0: Yeah. And and I'm and I'm so happy that you had the courage to stand up for yourself and your voice. And Thank because you. otherwise we wouldn't, you know, I like, know we wouldn't have true. this beaming, light, yeah. wonderful individual like that gets to shine. And the truth is that everyone is that Mm -hmm. and everyone has that opportunity and potential inside of them to be the biggest version of themselves, as you were saying. Exactly. But it's so easy to just be made small. And like you said, it's not just romantic relationships. It can be parenting. It can be work. It can be family. Yeah. So thank you for for living that and for sharing that and for being so open about it, because I think that I know that a lot of our community is going to be listening to this today and just thinking, wow, Lily, thank you for being so brave because that's where I am right now.
1: You know, and I think it's also important because, and I was inspired by a lot of... My book really came from me reading people's stories on social media. Mm. Um, young girls uh, and boys around the world would message me with insecurities and things that they had gone through that they wanted to relate to me on, but they assumed because I was in a position that I'm in You know, in this industry, that I would have no way to relate to them. Whereas, in fact, I would read their stories, see their photo next to it. So it's not anonymous, it's super brave. And all I wanted to do was reach out and go, You have no idea. You have no idea how much I can relate to you. And it was their bravery that inspired me to truly want to share my story. And I think it's so important to just say, you know, just because I'm in the industry that I'm in and I'm in the position that I'm in and I, Am the way that I am, like, doesn't mean that I'm immune to any of these things. It's like we all go through these, and I just wanted to share that in order to try to squash those myths that some people are infallible. Like, no one's infallible, no one, you know. Yeah,
0: no one. I mean, I, I'm so glad that you're making that point because. There's also the other side. I think there's one side of like, oh, that person has it all figured out or it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is almost like, um, well, well, that person has so much material stuff that this stuff doesn't affect them. Yeah. So it's kind of like a bit of both. Like mm-hmm. when you think, oh, well, that person has, has so much money, so they're not upset by these kind of comments. Right. Or they're not upset by these things. Yeah. Or, this person has so much fame or whatever it may yeah. be. And the truth is none of that's true. Like no matter right. how much money you have or followers you have or we're all humans and we all experience emotions and we all can be made to feel small or tiny or insignificant Mm -hmm. by anyone in our lives
1: yeah exactly and and it
0: doesn't it's not affected that way so anyone who hasn't already um who would love to learn more about lily's journey and everything inside of it whether it's you know lily talks about mental health talks about eating disorders that she's gone through and I just really feel that if you're someone right now who's working through a lot of your self-confidence, self-esteem, then um, the book's going to be a great, almost support and friend for you to, to guide you, you through that, you know, and it's it's really in a friendly tone. And, and, and I think we can all use a, a good friend uh, sometimes in that way Thank to guide you. you through. So I, I read this, uh, that you said this, and it's just... It was really new for me. I'd never heard anyone say that before. So you said that you referred to acting as a form of meditation. Yeah. uh, To sit in stillness, if only for a moment. And that was so beautiful to me because I can totally understand how acting is a meditation. But to hear you say that and your journey, tell us a bit about how your acting journey started and what your intention was and what your purpose was when you first got involved And then how that evolved to it being that.
1: It's super interesting because I know you're all about meditation and that's (laughs) how we met. Um, And I, it's funny because I wasn't fully versed in meditation for a long time. Um, I've obviously heard about it. I've read about it. And I didn't know what it meant for me. I'm someone who has 10 million things going on in my head. My friends say it must be exhausting being me sometimes, that I didn't know how to quiet myself um, in, in order to kind of think, reflect, and be introspective and all that. So it is an interesting thing to say that then taking on a new character helps me do that. But um, I I truly believe as a storyteller, you get to take people on a journey with you to another place. Um, As a kid, my dad used to read stories to me before bed and he would make all these different funny accents and voices and he'd, he'd act out the stories. And I remember falling asleep to these different worlds in my head that had stemmed from a book, and I just I remember thinking, I want to take people on that journey with me. I want to be one of the facilitators in that escapism. And I loved dressing up. I loved I loved telling stories. I loved <clears throat> being different people in order to find me. Mm. Um, I find that it's very therapeutic to uh, research a character, to find our similarities and also our differences and see how much about myself I can learn through not only the character but also the experience of filming it. Um, Because sometimes, for me at least, the process of filming a show or a movie is almost more important than how many people see it at the end because I know that this character is going to teach me a lot about myself uh, and it's going to really push me, whether it's physically push me Um, with the physicality of the role or the emotional side of the role. Um, And so for me, I really feel like when I have certain moments, and they're not all the time, there are these rare moments that I cherish where at the end of a take, you can think back 30 seconds before and go, I don't even know what I just did. I don't know what just happened. I could never repeat that. That moment was this magical moment of... Deep stillness within me, where I was completely, completely present. Nothing else mattered. The text that I was sending before didn't flash before my eyes. Tonight's like show of whatever is not in my brain. You know, nobody was on set around me, even though there's a crew of like 50. You know, you truly, I have disappeared into that moment and something came out in me that came from this place of knowing and stillness. And to me, I look for that in meditation. I look for these, um, these little gifts of magic that come from moments of being so present. And I'm someone who, as a kid, I was like the ultimate worrier. Like I would worry that people weren't having fun. I would worry that I wasn't doing enough or being, enough, being proactive enough. And so I was so focused on either the past or the future... Am I doing enough? Did I do enough? Not am I doing enough now in the moment? Mm. And so anything that I can do to feel more present, uh, I welcome. And when you're acting, uh, you have to be in that moment. It's, It's like what you do as well, though. When you're talking to someone, when you're interviewing, when you're a human being who's having a conversation, if you're focused on what you just talked about or a question you want to talk about in five minutes, you could miss an entirely magical moment yeah. of, wow, they're leading me down a path that I'm not even following. I'm just jumping straight to the end, you know? <laughs> and it's 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 the same in acting. And, and there are so many moments as an actor that you can pre-plan. You can know what you want to do. But then if someone throws you a curveball, they either forget a line, they say a line differently, they add something, or they're just a completely different <laughs> energy. It won't make any sense if you don't read what they're doing in yeah. the moment. And so for me that's very much meditation. It's being present within yourself. And and I find that acting and and my the craft of acting allows me to be more present. And it's mm. weird because sometimes I'm not even present as Lily. I'm present as the character, yeah. you know, but at the same time it's obviously me. So I I do find it a deep form of meditation in that yeah, way.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's beautifully described and, and it makes so much sense. Right. And it's almost like all of us, when you're discovering your purpose, maybe ultimately your purpose is something that makes you feel present.
1: Mm, yeah. Like,
0: like maybe that's what it is. It's something that really makes you feel happy with just being in the moment. Yeah. Tell us about a role that you think taught you the most about yourself offline or off screen.
1: Oh my God. I honestly, one of those kind of meant to be meta moments was when I I was writing my book at the same time, and I had just written my chapter where I discuss my experiences with eating disorders. Mm. And a week later, I got the script for this movie, To the Bone, where I play a character who's suffering with eating disorders. Mm. And it was a real, like, aha moment for me. Um, I had goosebumps when I I read the script, because I went, oh my God, I just decided to open up to myself about this, and now to the world in this book, and now I'm having this opportunity to explore playing a character where it would actually be physically me opening up on screen as this character. Um, and to me, I knew that the journey of making that film with Marty Knoxon, the director-writer who also experienced eating disorders, and it's partly bi- bi- biographical of her life, um, that I would be nurtured through it in a whole new way and that it would be a healing process for me. Even though I was past that phase of my life, I knew I had so much insight to give um, as an actor to the character and an insight from experiences I had just reread in my journals and then I knew that the story that that my character was going through, the shooting of that, would inform my book, and I thought, oh my god, this is this is like a meeting of the minds. This is when your craft, your art, and life are completely mirroring one another, and I would it would be foolish not to jump on this. A lot of people, of course, were concerned that that yeah. that would be a risk for me. Yeah, uncomfortable
0: um, to revisit mm, it over.
1: Totally, and I and I and I understood. I respected. I, I really understood their their concern. But I, I had, again, that deep sense of knowing that I channeled and, and tapped into, and at that point, I was so centered within myself talking about my experiences and so, um, like, I had admitted it to myself that everyone on set knew um, I wasn't hiding anything about my experiences, and therefore, not only was I keeping myself accountable, but I had... All these people that knew, all these people keeping me accountable, and I was nurtured through it, and it was a real sense of healing in a way that I never had had before um, because my, my story is dissimilar to my characters in a lot of ways, and seeking professional opinion for a character really helped me let go of things I thought I'd already let go of you know, like oh, talking wow. to professors at uh, universities about certain bullet points of characteristics of um, of of people that have gone through very specific eating disorders. I could go back and look at myself and, and read things I wrote when I was 16, 17 years old and go, oh, I thought that was unique about me. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I understand now that a lot of people feel that same way. And I use it as an excuse to continue suffering. Whereas I it wasn't an excuse. It was something that was actually, if I had only opened up about it sooner, I would have realized there were people to talk to. You know, so it, it was really interesting to learn and grow through that. And then at the end of it, you know, show the movie and and at the same time then say to the to the world. I also went through this. And that was, I just let go of so much at that moment. I started as a blank slate. Um, I could no, I no longer felt that when I was taking on a role that I was carrying baggage of my own, I could drop that at the door and only take on the baggage of my character. Which, by the way, it was like super heavy (laughs) before. I like could hardly walk. Um, And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, like no one's judging me. That was just all me judging me, you know.
0: On Purpose with Jay Shetty is brought to you by Booking.com, Booking.yeah. Many of you know that one of the most important aspects of my life is my connection with others. Travel has become one of the best ways for me to connect with people, whether that be my community, my family, friends, or loved ones, or all of you. Most of my family lives outside of the US, so traveling around the holidays, birthdays, or other special occasions is something that we're accustomed to. As we grow older, oftentimes our families or loved ones end up living in different areas as us, making it challenging to get together due to various schedules and commitments. With Booking.com, I'm able to efficiently book travel and accommodations for everyone in my family, so that we can spend quality time together. They also make it easy to book travel for the various types of travelers in my family, so that each person in my family can authentically be the traveler they want to be, no matter the destination. Once a year, my family takes a trip together to a US destination where none of us live or are visited. We find this helpful in making sure that everyone is truly present and able to unplug from their normal routines, resulting in more meaningful conversations and connections. Experiencing new places with those close to you allows you to bond over a shared experience. Booking.com's breadth and variety of accommodations in the US has made the destination selection and booking process not only easy, but fun. Travel can also foster new connections. Visiting different cities has allowed me to build connections with all of you, my community, most of whom I've never met in person and otherwise would have not crossed paths with. The in person relationships that are built and strengthened through travel is something that each of us can benefit from. Book whoever you want to be on booking.com, booking.yeah. Today, healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Atna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I've got to say, herbs have been a game changer in my wellness routine, all thanks to my Indian upbringing. My mom was the one who got me started on them way back when. I've seen how they can do wonders for both body and the mind. One of my favorites is ashwagandha which is an adaptogenic herb that helps reduce stress. I usually take it in the morning with my breakfast and it helps me stay cool, calm and collected throughout the day. Our sponsor Nature's Way has ashwagandha as well as herbs like St. John's Wort and Holy Basil that provide mood and stress support. They have over 50 years of experience sourcing herbs from all over the world in the continents and climates where they grow best. Nature's Way rigorously tests every batch of herbs for potency and purity in their state-of-the-art lab. To learn more, visit naturesway.com forward slash herbs and use code J10 at checkout for 10% off any herbal supplements. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. Wow, there's so much bravery in that though because I feel like, I always feel like when you step out of when you've moved away from a state that you were in and then you help others connect with that and help others move out of that, that's such a healing process. I was wondering if you feel, do you feel that, and and obviously you're so young yourself, but I mean, do you feel that younger actresses and talent and music, do, do you feel like they sometimes come to you and ask you for insights and advice or share? Or do you feel that it's so hard for people to share with people in the same space? Because I just feel like what you're sharing could be so helpful. I hear about so many youngest, you know, mm. young stars who struggle with eating disorders or mental health. And I always feel like, well, if there was almost just a community of everyone mm-hmm. who talked about just all... Because everyone's yeah. dealing with... And it's not the same way or it's not the same feeling, mm-hmm. but they're dealing with similar challenges at similar yeah. stages in life.
1: You know, it was interesting. Um, I had, and I speak about it in the, in the book, but there was um, this young woman who I was speaking to one day and she <laughs> was talking about a specific actress who she really wanted to be like, but had read an interview where they stated, you know, I never work out, I eat what I want to eat and all this stuff. And, and, and she said, you know, I just will never look like that. And I know they don't need to do anything. And I feel like I'm just like born differently. Yeah. And I went, okay, you read an interview where I can tell you firsthand, that was a lie. Mm. I know that that's not true. It's, it's an image that they're putting out there. Um, out of not feeling comfortable. They're not gonna, they're not at the point yet to share what they've experienced, but I can tell you that's not true of everyone. That's, Mm. that is uh, a facade. Um, And you are not differently born, you know, we're not from a different planet. Cause she said, you know, I just feel like actresses in general are like from another planet. Like I'm never gonna look like you, I'm never gonna be. And I'm like, whoa, like that trajectory is so scary and so far from the truth. And when I then wrote about my experiences and I, and I put it out there, I did actually have quite a few emails from people within the industry saying, you know, and again, it was very much, I think they knew that I would keep it private yeah. um, and just said, I just wanted to share with you, thank you so much yeah. for, for, for writing this. Also, thank you for making something like To The Bone because that was me. Um, and I don't feel like we talk about it enough and I'm not at the place yet to talk about it. I hope I will one day, but like, thank you for saying that this is something that's, that's a, that's real and B that it's not shameful because I'm still feeling that shame. And I know that one day I won't, but like, maybe I can talk to you. And I was like, of course you can. I'm, I'm, I'm. Seriously, like an open book, and I welcome any of that. Um, I was a teen therapist when I was in high school, so I'm like, I'm all about that. I love that, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's true. I feel like there's it. We all have different experiences within um, mental health, um, but we all feel the same feelings. They just may come from different situations and experiences. No one or the other is. Better, worse, more important, less important—it's all relative. And the important thing is just that the core emotions and where they come from can be related to. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, what industry you're in. Um, and I and I just I feel like it's important for more young people within the public eye that have a platform to at least just not actively put out a false image, mm-hmm. because that just continues that domino effect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and I think the strongest part of what you said there, which I feel is like it's all relative. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many people who are struggling, then they compare their they compare their challenge or their issue yeah. or their pain to someone else's. Yeah. And then you feel like, oh, well, I should feel better because mine's not as bad as theirs.
1: Exactly. Or
0: I, they shouldn't be allowed to share their pain because mine's much worse. Yeah. And I think that comparison. Oh, game
1: comparison just, can be the worst. Yeah. And I still find myself sometimes comparing yeah. myself, even though I talk about <laughs> not doing that it's a human quality it's like it's natural to all of a sudden jump to oh well i shouldn't because it's not as bad or you know who am i to say this or and you you have to remind yourself the fact that you're feeling these things is proof that you're feeling these things and you need to talk about it and and you just you cannot compare yourself to other people even though that's like the first reaction you want to have because it is all relative and we all we all are going through the same things, especially at a time like right now. It's yeah. like comparison can be the death. Like, you yeah. just, you cannot, it, you'll fall into a trap that, that makes things so much worse, I think.
0: So, Lily, I wanted to talk about Emily in Paris because <laughs> me and Bradley, ever since we saw the trailer, yeah. we've been like waiting for today <laughs> to watch it because I saw the trailer and I was just like, oh, this looks like so much fun. And, you know, I think all of us have been seeking uh, not just travel, but like, fun and experiences right now, because I think a lot of our experiences have been limited. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell us what drew you towards this role of Emily.
1: God, you know, I, this was in no way something that came to me and said, this is yours. This was a fight. This was, uh, I had to really go after it. And I knew that I loved it the second I read it. Um, you know, a Darren Star project featuring this young woman who is bright, bold, a little bit obvious and just optimistic. I'm like, okay, definitely want that in my life. And um, this idea that she was in Paris. I mean, it was an American in Paris, two cultures that are very close to me, you know, European and American. Um, I grew up going to Switzerland a lot um, and to France a lot with my dad and my little brothers. And so for me, right away, this character drew me in. She had all these Attributes that I think sometimes get a negative rap, like loving to work and admittingly, you know, really passionate about one's work, a romantic, optimistic, like I said, bold, bright, a little bit obvious, <laughs> and um, has this can do attitude. And I think there's that fine line between that being a little annoying and endearing and genuine and I think that Emily is just so unapologetically herself and that to me was the kind of character I want to play I love rom-coms I love them so much so I I. (laughs) I mean what's not to love especially right now when you know just laughing and smiling is like I crave that Um, but to play a character within that kind of rom-com world that is just so unapologetically herself and has a depth and has that ability to ask for help yeah. You know, like it goes back to everything we were saying that asking for help is not a weakness, it's a strength. It's like knowing when you need a team and know who, you know, who has different skill sets than you. And also knowing when you're good at something and being like, no, I'm good at that. Yeah. And not being ashamed to say, I'm good at that and this is my job and I'm here for a reason. It's it's that boldness of voice that I loved about her Um and the brightness about her. Because I thought, wow, I think playing Emily is going to help me a lot. It's going to make me be super resourceful. It's going to make me be slightly even more optimistic than I already am. And it's, you know, she has to pivot so much within her experience. She's judged a lot. She is throwing curveballs. And and I, I mean, little did I know that we would then be having it come out during a time where everyone in the world has had to pivot daily. Like, how do you stay creative when all your distractions are taken away? Self-identity. Who am I when these things are stripped away? A metaphorical mirror is placed in front of you all the time. You're judging yourself. You're having to think about all the things that you don't necessarily love about the way you handle things and how can I do things better? And that's what Emily was going through. And she almost like gave me these tools a year before I knew that I was going to need them, which I'm so grateful for. But it, it's just fun. And I i think I'm just so honored to be a part of something right now that can make someone laugh or smile. Like mm. at the end of the day, that is the gift of why I want to do what I do.
0: Yeah. And I and I definitely am excited to, to feel that way. <laughs> I literally, the tiny trailer gave it anyway. Like it just, there's such a, a beautiful energy about it. Mm. But you've also said it's like, It's a story of self-love. Totally. Tell us a bit about that. Elaborate on that of like how what you just shared with us is actually a journey of self-love with this character.
1: Well, so Emily is in the city of love, right? So everyone, you know, I've been asked the question of, you know, so it's so much about romance and, and Emily finds all these different people and she goes and has these experiences. And I go, well, you could look at it that way. But the way that I see it is, You learn so much about yourself and what you like and what you don't like through your experiences with other people. So for me, I take from it that she is going on this experience and this journey of loving who she is and being unapologetic about who she is that she's strong enough to say, no, thank you. That's not the one for me. Or, oh, I like that quality, but he's not willing to give as much as I am. Or that was wrong, goodbye, you know? And so I think it takes a real strong sense of self and love to be able to have those experiences, see them for what they are, and move on. Mm. And Emily, and, and you know, it's not a spoiler, it's from the trailer, she and her boyfriend break up right when she goes to Paris, because he is not willing to meet her halfway. And she finds that it's actually a relationship that she was way more into giving than he was. And she realizes that the upcoming journey for her, she has no idea what it's going to be like, but she knows that that experience is far more necessary within her life than someone who's not willing to treat her the way that she deserves to be treated. Mm. And that to me set the tone of, okay, this is an adventure and story about self-love. This is a girl going to a foreign city with a job that she wasn't expecting and she's going to have to thrive and she's not going to give up. And you have to find ways to love yourself while being judged. She's judged every day. If she took all of that and, it, and, and took it to heart in a way that made her upset and, and deterred her from continuing, she would have gone home. Yeah. But she doesn't. She stays and, you know, she meets all these people along the way. And I think that she starts to embrace herself more through the work that she does there.
0: I feel like that sounds like how I felt when I first moved to New York.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't like even four, imagine. Which is like
0: four years ago. I can relate to so much of that. Like, I feel like me and my wife had just got married. Mm. And six months later, we moved to New York oh for God. an unexpected job that I was, had no plans for and it was it was yeah it was it was it's i it's almost like i can relate to so many parts of it already which yeah. is, which is exciting but tell 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 me have you and your fiance been to paris together yet? yeah so okay. he
1: actually came out so many times during filming which makes this a, even more special because yeah. almost all the scenes that i reference in terms of like my favorite scenes or just my favorite memories i'm like oh he was right behind the camera oh. or in between takes we were at the paris opera house We had that, you know, all night to shoot in. And he was there. And so there we are, like, running down the hallways. Like, you know, he kissed me in that hallway. And I'm looking at the mural. And we're taking photos. And I'm like, wait, this is, that was real life, you know? And so it's very much a city that I associate with him and I. And just how wonderful to be able to have a work experience and a job mean so much because of a personal experience. And to be able to share that with him and I think it only aided me working, you know, mm. to be surrounded by that love. Of course, then my character is going to feel that love within herself. And it, it really helped hold me up because it was the hardest I've ever worked um, being in like every scene of that show talking 24-7. And my character talks a lot. And she has these like long monologues where she just goes at it. And so to have that like support system was, was so necessary.
0: No, oh, I love that. I'm yeah. so glad. That's awesome. <laughs> You were there for four months, you were saying. I was, yeah. You were filming. Tell us about what... I mean, that was obviously all pre-COVID and it was last right. year and it was... Yeah. Tell us about what that experience was like being in a different city for four months. Oh my I mean. God, it
1: was so fun. I'd been to Paris many times before, but usually only for a few days, whether it's for a job or press or something like that. So to be a local of sorts um, with an apartment and You know, I miss so much the beauty of wandering and getting lost. Um, Everything now is so intention-based, whether it's, you know, I'm going here for this amount of time, I can't wander, I'm going to pick this up, I'm going to (laughs) go back home, I'm going to be safe. And I'm so on board with that, of course, but I miss the ability of losing track of time Mm. because you're just um, experiencing life and being spontaneous. Like, I miss that. And Paris is such a beautiful city to do that. You're wandering down like cobblestone side streets and you're like, I'm going to grab a coffee here. I'm going to go into this bookshop. Oh my God, it's been six hours, you know, and you're just wandering. And and the city is is so aesthetically gorgeous and has such a rich history that you can't help but fall in love with the city every single time you go. That being said, I had many experiences that were very similar to Emily in that like I lost hot water in my apartment for two weeks, no heating when it was starting to get cold. Was that the Uh, directors
0: playing tricks? I
1: literally said that. I was like, guys, um, I already have enough empathy for for Emily. Um, I don't need to feel more. Uh, And so I ended up like showering at the studio or like, you know, it was just, it was pretty funny. But um, Paris is a character. It's a character in and of itself. And I feel like that translates aesthetically into the, into the show. But also when you go there, you just know, you know that you never know what you're going to get. And I kind of love
0: that. Yeah. Well, everyone who's listening and watching right now, you have to go and watch the show. It's (laughs) out right now. And we all need to laugh right now. Like we genuinely do. We need to laugh. We need a smile. We need to feel like we're having new experiences. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm 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 genuinely so excited to see it because I feel like me and my wife have been like crying out for a new rom com for oh a while. Oh my god! And it's uh, like those
1: rom coms that you wish they still made from the '90s or they, the early 2000s. I'm
0: so glad you just said that. Oh my god! That. Are you Literally. kidding
1: me? I'm like, why is no one financing these movies anymore? Because we need them now. Literally. I, so we get ten episodes of that. I love so it. Hoping for a season two.
0: I love it. Yeah. Well, no, we're hoping too, and I can't <laughs> wait to watch it. I want to end. You know, we end every on purpose interview with the final five. Yes. Which are the final five rapid fire round of the fast. Five. Uh, so you have to answer every question in one word or one sentence. Yeah, maximum. I know this is
1: always so hard. Yes.
0: Okay, <laughs> so your first one is. Oh, I've got such a nice choice in selection oh, for God. today. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> let's let's start with um, how would you define your purpose right now?
1: Um my purpose right now, um stay. Present.
0: Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. Because
1: there's so many things right now that could take me off the ground into another place and, mm-hmm. and just lose myself. And what's most important right now is is being present and not allowing any of the outside talk to take me away from what's most important. You know, I'm I'm so excited about everything that's going on. Professionally, but I also just got engaged, and that to me is like the most exciting, craziest thing. And wow. to me, I'm like, that's my that's my focus. Like, yeah. that's a huge part of my life that I just always wanted, but didn't know when it would happen. And that to me is like, stay present, stay present, stay present.
0: I love that. That's <laughs> so beautiful. I I remember back to um, when me and my wife were getting married. Yeah. And Indian weddings last for like seven days. So like you have events every day. And and it was just I look back and I'm like, I'm really glad it lasted for seven days because it went so fast. I
1: can't imagine. Yeah. And
0: it was without that, it was the most special time ever and it's really funny because in the run-up to the wedding especially having lived as a monk like weddings weren't really like top of mind for me so even when I was getting married about to get married I was so like yeah it's a wedding but we're gonna spend the rest of our lives together and we love each other and when I was actually getting married I was like this is amazing <laughs> like yeah. you know it was just and, and wanting to be present with it of, mm-hmm. like just recognizing how special it was Yeah. and and is but yeah no I love that I think that's <laughs> you're giving yourself the best advice alright uh, question number two what's, a, two what's a non-negotiable in life for you like what is something that you don't negotiate with on a daily basis?
1: Um, don't uh, I don't want to feel small. Mm. Don't don't um, try to quiet my voice because I've, I've I've been there. I've done that. It's taken so long for me to um, build it up and to make it loud and to own it that I I. I just, non-negotiable is is making me feel quieted.
0: Perfect. I love that. That's beautiful. Question number three, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months?
1: It's okay to show someone that you're not perfect. Mm. It doesn't mean that they're going to leave. You know, it's like, you've got to be all versions of yourself um, because at the end of the day, that's life. And the right person will love all those sides. Uh, And in quarantine... You definitely experience all sides, and um, you can't be perfect all the time.
0: I love that. Uh, Question number four, what's something that you've been certain of in life that you think other people might disagree with you on? What's something that you're sure about that Um, other people may debate or may not agree?
1: uh, Oh, that's really good. Um, I... Okay, I'm going to... I've got an answer, but it's actually... Okay, I'll, I'll just say it. I'll just say it. <laughs> just say it. Um, when I was 16, I was pitching talk show ideas of um, being a 16-year-old, vocalizing myself on current topics, uh, emotional topics, and bridging the gap between my generation and my mom's. I was turned down at every single place that I went. I was told that no one wanted that perspective. And why would anyone want to watch a kid uh, talk about those types of things? <laughs> Cut to now, where <laughs> the youth has an incredibly huge voice, means everything in terms of the future. And um, I just knew it was something that I felt so strongly about that I continue to vocalize now in encouraging, whether it's voting or vocalizing oneself in mental health issues or current topics in general. Um, Young people need to feel like their voice is heard. And I was like, I, I really was told no so many times, but I just knew so deeply that it was something that needed to be done and
0: to be said. Love it. Great answer. And fifth and final question. Uh, If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be?
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, One law? Oh, boy. God, your questions are hard. <laughs> <laughs> They're so
0: really, fun. you should have been prepared. I mean, you like you listen. I so. know, I know. <laughs>
1: um, one law that everyone should follow is, um, don't, don't lie. They're that's gonna get. It's gonna catch up. That's I true. I, yeah, don't lie. It's not worth it.
0: That's a great law. I love it. Thank you so much, Lily Collins, everyone. Everyone who's been listening or watching today, Lily has shared so many amazing insights with us. Make sure that you share them on Instagram, tag both of us, because I love seeing what connected with you. I love seeing what actually stayed with you, because I really think there's so many parts of this episode that are going to have a huge impact on your journey, your life, and your relationships. And of course, please go and grab a copy of Lily's book, unfiltered no shame no regrets just me and we'll put the link in the caption and also go and check out emily in paris uh let's watch tweet comment instagram all at the same time so that we can experience it together thank you for everyone who's been watching today big thank you, thank to Lily. you. <laughs> and uh thank you so much everyone we'll see you again next week